Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Unknown. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm here with Maureen Ellsbury, Ryan Sprague, and Shane Hurd today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Today's show is one of our informal, low-key, and opinionated episodes we like to call UFO Happy Hour. We'll be talking about a few different topics, then we'll answer some questions that were submitted by listeners recently. And if this is your first time listening to one of our UFO Happy Hours, just a warning, we tend to get a little sassy, just so you know. But before we get into it, this is UFO Happy Hour, so let's get the drinks taken care of. Maureen, it's amazing to have you here today, my friend. What are you drinking? I am drinking some uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon, and since we know that there's a huge leg on my uh, video, I tried to pull it up early. (laughs) 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 Um, But yes, it's nice and smooth and delicious. Excellent. Ryan, how about you? Uh, yeah, so I, um, I'm off the mainland right now and uh, looking for any alcohol I can. So I was able to go to a local distillery here uh, in Oahu called Old Poly Road and um, picked up this bad boy. Um, it's pretty oh, good. Cool. It's very smooth whiskey, uh, made in bourbon barrels, actually. So I guess it's a bourbon in Hawaii, which I didn't think was possible, but um, yeah, it's uh, owned by a veteran from the Marines who opened the place up, and um, times are tough, you know, tourists, tourism is huge here, and people are suffering, so he was happy to have anyone in the shop, and I talked UFOs with him for a little bit, and uh, he gave me this bottle, so I couldn't ask for more than that, so yeah, cheers to you guys. That's yeah, very What happened cool. to the rest of your hair? <laughs> it disappeared. It disappeared. I don't know what happened. That's some strong bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. I took the hair right off my head. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Shane? What are you drinking today? I am drinking a middle shelf bourbon called uh, General General Grant. And it's a Kentucky bourbon. And it is actually freaking awesome. I mean, for the price, I'm drinking it straight. And it is good stuff. Well, on the rocks. But... Yeah, that's my choice. Excellent. Gonna that go sounds pretty Maker's good. Mark, but yeah, well, Shane, give it a try. Shane, buddy, I got you taken care of with Makers today. I was going to go with bourbon, but I got the whiskey okay. going here, Makers Mark. So we've got our bases covered. Good man. <laughs> Am I the well, only one drink, all drinking all mine drink. straight up? No, we're all <laughs> straight up, too. I'm straight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep, we got our rocks here. So, all right. Well, yeah. first, we've got something we can toast to, guys. And I think this is the first time that we've all been together since both Shane and Ryan have released their new book. So congrats, guys. Oh, I'm giving you a slow, slow golf, golf clap over here. <laughs> uh, congrats, Ryan. Just another book that all our friends are being pressured into buying. Got to choose. I, know. <laughs> I, I, I owe you both an apology because I was moving and things have been hectic. So I still have to order both of your new books and Uh I will, I promise. Uh (laughs) They're not really that good, but it's nice to be a nice friend. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll twist anyone's arm. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. At this point, man, we'll do what we got to do. I kid, I kid. They're both fantastic books. And I know you both have been busy um, plugging away, getting the word out about the books. Um, Ryan, how's that been going? I know you've been doing a lot of interviews lately um, in support of the book. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of people, I'm still uh, got a lot of free time. I'll put it that way. So it's been awesome catching up with a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, who uh, I was fortunate to be a guest, the tables have turned and I'm doing the, I'm being interviewed again, which is, I haven't done in a long time and I'm a little rusty, but I've, uh, I've been doing them back to back to back, which is really fun and cool. It keeps, you know, the momentum and energy going. So yeah, man, um, doing, catching up with all our friends over at, uh, Bigfoot collectors club and expanded perspectives and, and every show in between. So it's good to catch up with our colleagues and friends and uh, talk in probably the most exciting UFO period any of us have had so yeah. far. So, yeah. And, you know, we'll certainly talk about your book more in depth on this show, not this episode, but this show in the future. But quickly, um, just a, a very abbreviated version for people who aren't familiar with um, your new book, could you describe how it um you know it's the same title mostly the same title it's got a different subtitle but how does this differentiate itself from your previous book yeah i i've been telling a lot of people the only time i ever bought a second edition of a book is when it was in college and i needed to so um i definitely wanted to make it worth people's time and and money and and uh brain space so i followed up with every individual from the first edition because as we all know sometimes it's not just one singular ufo event in these people's lives uh they continue um their thoughts and theories evolve and change so yeah i caught up with everyone in the first book i've got brand new chapters with ufo cases that have never been made public before and uh and even scientific exploration of ufos you know, a lot of groups have come along in the past few years. Um, you know, SCU with uh, Robert Powell and um, UFO DAP with Christopher O'Brien and a bunch of these exciting new endeavors yeah. of looking into the UFO topic scientifically. So it's over 50,000 to 70,000, something like that. I checked um, new words. So it's a brand new book. So that's, that's all so I, crazy. I'll say about it now. Yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. Well, congrats, brother. <laughs> Excited for that. And like I said, we'll definitely have you on this show um, again to specifically talk about the book. And Shane, we've talked about your book a bit, but uh, for people who haven't heard about your book, give us your brief spiel. What's, uh, tell us about your new book. Yes, it's entitled uh, UAP, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, A Beginner's Guide to Researching UFOs. And basically the reason I wrote it was with uh, since 2017 with the um, revelation of the three videos uh, from TTSA and ultimately confirmed by the DOD and the Navy, that I thought a lot of newly interested people might be inspired to begin looking into this. And, and, and I think we all know the taboo has been lifted, at least to, to some degree, um, to the extent that people might who had harbored an interest but were afraid to pursue it might do it now. And so, and I also want to encourage kind of the new, new generation of researchers because you know a lot of the original uh, guys and gals out there are reaching you know way beyond retirement age and stuff, yeah. and that we we need new people coming into it. And so, um, it's sort of a how-to guide to get into it. 
uh, to you know help you you know discern the wheat from the chaff and as I call it in in UFO UFO information and to you know avoid some of the unnecessary rabbit holes that you might go down that kind of a thing and and to talk about some of the broader issues and then narrow in on some of the important stuff like the scientific method for example and things like that so um, that's what my hope is that it will um, you know help interested people kind of bridge that gap get involved and uh, help us all out really in ufology by bringing in some new blood new perspectives and and that kind of thing so yeah I'm really excited about it and I, I, I had a chance to talk a bit about it, do some presentations, and and so far so good. Nice. That's and awesome. I need the book to uh, get out of <laughs> how to get out of ufology. <laughs> a user's guide. Well, I'm I'm yeah. I'm slowly working on that book. <laughs> um, and and Shane, I know you've been doing a lot of a uh, lot of promotion for your book lately too. You've been doing a lot of interviews and a lot and uh, you know giving some presentations too. So how has all that been going? Yeah. Uh, it's been really great. And um, you know, off the top of my head, because I've already had like a drink or two, I'm I'm not going to be able to <laughs> rattle off all of the shows that I've been on. But some really great folks and and sort of. Some of the out of the ordinary too are interested, um, and as well as that, I, I've been able to give some presentations um, about the book or based on the book. But you know, again, my focus is on investigation and um, you know all the aspects of that, and so that that's come off really well, I think, for both people who are newly interested, but for those who are experienced and. And, um, you know, the, we all know there's a couple different sides of ufology and, and either the pop culture side, the scientific side, the investigative side, all those different facets. And, you know, speaking about those and helping contextualize them for folks, I think I hope that is what's valuable to people and what's coming across in those presentations and interviews. Nice. Well, um, you know, this is the. First time I've had to talk to you uh, about the book in a while, and since we're on the subject of your book, Shane, um, I believe by the time that we release this episode, your book will now be available on ebook on Kindle in the Kindle store on Amazon. Wow! Yeah, so oh, you will have so both the, the print and digital version out. So fingers crossed, but. Uh, yes. If all goes as planned, by the time this episode drops, your book will be available in digital format as well. That is so awesome. And thank you, dear publisher, who I should mention that uh, uh, Jason has helped me publish that book as well as wrote an introduction, a very awesome introduction. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. That's awesome. I, I hope that will help. And, and again, uh, making it available to people who, you know, may prefer that Kindle or e-format over a, a paperback. So that's terrific. Well, they certainly prefer it with Ryan's book. I mean, Mr. Number One on the on the bestsellers list over there. Yeah, yeah man, uh, that, that was, um, that was, hey, it's all in the timing, let's be honest. I mean, a lot of people have asked, did you coincide this with all the Tom DeLonge stuff? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> if I ever was able to talk a word to Tom DeLonge, I'd feel fortunate, but no, it was all in the timing. I, UFOs were the buzzword that entire week, and I just got really lucky. But um, also, I agree with Shane. It is opening uh, readership up to a whole new generation who don't go out and buy 
print books, you know. As an author, you love it, being able to feel it and go through the pages and everything. I still only read print books. I can't do ebooks personally, but uh, I understand the impetus for it. And I'm astounded by the numbers of ebooks that sell. Um, so, right. yeah, hey, that's the future, and we got to embrace it. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, I- Ryan. Yeah, that is super awesome. My book is releasing soon. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Little known anecdote, though, Shane, uh, my very first article for Open Minds magazine was a guide on how to scientifically investigate UFOs. It was very brief and and not not super great, but uh, it was my very first one. I was like, we need to we need to tackle that subject. So I really love that you chose that as your book. And and as a seasoned investigator, having that valuable information to new people getting into the field is is extremely helpful. And people should definitely check it out, because without that kind of backing or um, investigative mindset, then we're going to just be ruined on research. So pick up his book and and Ryan's of course too i guess oh, <laughs> I oh guess. thanks a lot now, how cool is that 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 is a great topic i mean yeah you want you got to get the science down we got to make this whole thing as legitimate as possible well and i know that you know for marine and myself we found it you know kind of shockingly frustrating and this is a lot of what i'm talking about in in the book i'm working on right now but you know coming into the ufo field finding it you know, kind of disturbing how scientific investigation really is not encouraged. It's kind of an afterthought. It's not really something that you encounter a lot when you're, you know, engaging with a lot of the leading researchers or going to UFO conferences or things like that. It was kind of unusual to find people who were approaching the subject scientifically and wanting good research, good evidence, good things that you know, would help in making a better case for UFOs, for convincing people in the general public. That just was kind of lacking. And this was, you know, 12 years ago or however long it was. And, you know, now you come out with this book, Shane, and I think it's, it's, it's sadly still very much needed. When you told me that you were, you were uh, you know, working on that book, I was really excited because that's something, and like you, <laughs> you'll read in the forward, if you read the forward, that's, uh, you know, something I wish mm-hmm. that I had when I started down the rabbit hole is a book like yours to sort of shortcut some of the headache that you go through. No, that's awesome. And I, I do, I, I, I really think that that is really the most important thing that we can do in ufology now, especially with uh, the DOD getting involved, and you know we need to up our game in terms of you know whether it's MUFON or other investigative organizations or individuals, and even in Facebook land, you know we need to step it up and 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 bring this up a level. And and I get the pop culture side, and that's fun and cool, and you know I get that part. But look for people who are taking this seriously, we need to do it right and. And you just, you know, and I'll just use this, this percentage as an illustration. I still pretty much follow 85, 15%. 85% of all reports are explainable. 15% are not. But how do you come to that conclusion? It's only through thorough, scientifically applied investigation. Can, and and in, that, in that way, we can really 
hone in on what's real versus what isn't or what's, you know, uh, you know, pop culture versus what isn't. And, you know, there's definitely a scientific side to this. There's definitely, a, you know, an, an intelligence side to this. There, I mean, this is, this is real stuff. It really is. And it is as serious as a heart attack. So, um, you know, I think that as, as this becomes more, more public and the public becomes more aware, it puts more pressure on us to be serious and to, to, to be credible. And that, that's really what it boils down to. It is. It's credibility um, on the part of ufology in general. And that's what, if we, di if we display that and demonstrate that through good scientific effort, then other people will pay attention, will notice, and will take it seriously. But, you know, if we, if we continue to live in the land of, of, of the, you know, pop culture side, it, it's never going to go anywhere. So I, that, that's why I just feel strongly about it. And let, let me make this one distinction. You know, I'm not a debunker. I'm not. I, I don't like debunkery, you know, which I would define that as, you know, trying to prove that, UFOs aren't real because you have some agenda, right? But I do approve of and, and profess skepticism, but a healthy skepticism, and that is the realization that the majority of sightings are a misidentification of something prosaic, right? But just like Stan Friedman said, you know, there's a lot of UFO reports that aren't real, but there are real ones, you know, and we don't care about the 85%. Who cares about the stuff that's not a real UFO, right? It's the it's the 15%. It's the real ones that really should capture our interests. And so, like the roll and move on, you know, we we filter through a lot of that. You know, sometimes it's not fun to just have to sit there and grind through things that you know are identified. But you know, you got to do the dirty work. You got to you know, you got to build the data, and um and th and then you can you know you can do something with it. So. I just I think it's really critically important. I, I want to be considered skeptical, but not a debunker, um, you know. And I'm open to all the possibilities, right? It, you know, anything is possible. But I don't want to be a believer. I want to be a knower. There's a big difference between being a debunker and debunking. I think debunking is part of the investigative process. When you're investigating UFOs, most of the time you're going to be the the burster of the bubble you're going to be debunking yeah what somebody thinks is an alien spacecraft or whatever it happens to be because that's part of the process you go through everything trying to find an identification and you do or you try to determine if something is legitimate or a hoax you find that it's a hoax that's debunking you're not a debunker you're not actively setting yeah. out with a with the you know set mindset that that's what you're going to do you're going to prove that this isn't an extraterrestrial spacecraft you're going out looking at the evidence and trying to find the truth as you pointed out 85% yeah. if it's if it's 85 if it's 90 whatever whatever it is yeah. you're still you know most of what you look at is going to come back as something you're you're debunking and that's not a bad thing mm -hmm. that's responsible investigation and you made a good point Shane and i i think there's unfortunately a lot of attention and effort right now on, and I, I, anybody who's listened to me for any period of time knows that I laugh and, and really don't care at all about 
worrying about frail, delicate ufology and how it's perceived by the public because, oh no, we made UFOs look bad. Now we're, we're doomed. Now nobody's going to believe UFOs. Like, give me a break. If the evidence is as strong as we know it is, UFOs are just fine. We don't need to worry about poor, pitiful ufology. But that being said, we also need to make sure that as a, a, a UFO research community that we don't just promote and push everything UFO. Just because it says UFO, every news story about UFOs, every little mention of UFOs is not something that should be celebrated and pushed to, to everybody we know and say, hey, look, see, UFOs are mentioned in the news. That means they're real. Yay. When a lot of these stories have inaccurate information, they're making fun of UFOs or they're presenting UFOs in the wrong light or, you know, incorrectly, uh, you know, talking about details of a certain story. Fake news, false information about these particular cases or, or whatever it happens to be doesn't help anybody. It doesn't. And, and again, the goal is not convince as many people in the public as possible that UFOs are real. Yeah. This isn't a religion. You don't need to force UFOs on people. You can present people with information <laughs> and let them make up their own minds. That's what we're doing. But we don't need to, you know, try to convert as many people as possible or else UFOs are going to die. I don't understand that mindset. It's not pushing and trying to convince as many people as possible that UFOs are real. We share information. If people want to realize that, good for them. But they don't need to, and it doesn't affect us at all in what we do. And I'm seeing a lot of that right now, just this, this constant push, this need to convince as many people as possible and comes back to that's not so good when it when it comes to UFOs and trying to present this as a, a legitimate you know thing that needs to be studied scientifically. When a lot of this stuff can easily backfire, and people in the public can look at you know the crazy UFO people. You know we fall back into these stereotypes, yeah. but that's what we look like to a lot of, in the public when we're just pushing these stories and going, "See, told you so." UFOs, yeah, man. It, it's not it's not moving the discussion forward. Other than, you know, other people who want to be in that silly group and go, yeah, let's store Mary 51, dude. Woo. <laughs> Paul yeah. is a documentary, well right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that maybe what it what I don't know what I think one point that you're trying to make is, you know, it's it's a question of being responsible, like, you know, like a responsible journalist. Right. You can. Um, and and we've seen examples of some of those stories coming out that don't uh, line the facts up correctly, right? And 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 that that is a that is that's on the journalist, right? Because they're the ones controlling. You know, the story is the story. They're reporting on it. They they need to do that accurately. And I feel like that in a way, it's like that for us in, in ufology is that. You know, we have to represent it responsibly. You know, we can't, you know, be fast and loose with the facts. And, yeah, we can't be influenced by a desire to, you know, convince people. And that's not really what our role is and that whole thing. So you know, I think you make some really good points. And, and I appreciate that. For people who worry about, you know, the how ufology is viewed or how the UFO subject in general and people who, you know, invest any time into the subject are viewed by the general public, then it seems like people would be more willing to want to ensure that everything that we're putting out, everything we're saying 
um, and the cases that we're we're putting up and saying, look at this, this this is important stuff. If you guys you know want something to look at to to maybe change your minds, look at this. We should be making sure, double checking ourselves and triple checking and, and verifying sources before putting that stuff out there, you know, and not questioning anybody who is trying to do that research, trying to verify the claims that are being made and trying to to double and triple check the information to say, look, we know that this subject is already, you know, a difficult subject for people to take seriously. And so because of that, we need to work extra hard to make sure the information we're putting forward is rock solid and, you know, can can stand any you know, little quips from from Seth Shostak or anybody who doesn't want to take the time yeah. to to read the details, yeah. and you know, can it gives you protection. You know, you got your ammunition, you're lined up, you're ready. You say, "Look, I spent the time and looked into this. I can tell you this is worth looking into." You know, we have this source and this source and this source. It lines up, and we can verify what's being claimed. We don't see a lot of that now. We see people jumping on things that sound exciting because they mention the word UFO or UAP, but anybody who questions any detail behind that or tries to find out the the validity of these claims or or the motives behind any of these things, then all of a sudden you're a bad guy and you want to see UFOs fail. There's also the fact that there's two different realms of journalists here we're talking about and what's flooding the media. And one of those is you have... You know, Leslie Kane and, and others who are putting together these uh, pieces that, of course, sometimes, you know, we had to have a correction this last one from Harry Reid, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But then you have the other realm of journalists, which is the general people who are, you know, 21 years old that are writing for BuzzFeed mm-hmm. or these other news outlets that they don't have any background on the sources. So what they're seeing they're flooding the airwaves with these UFO stories that we, as seasoned researchers, are not thinking are credible because of the UFO headlines, and those go wild and those go viral. So it's very difficult to to sort of ascertain like what what's what are you supposed to say and what are you not supposed to say because you have the hard hitting journalism, which is what we want. But there's always going to be that other spectrum that's going to cover the the woo-woo aspect, so to say, and and not have their facts straight. And look, I've written articles like that before for to the Stars Media, uh, because that was they're short right. and they're quippy, and you know, I you you can only cover so much when you're talking about like five underground bases that may be harboring right. alien technology, you know, something like that. And you only have a paragraph to explain that. You can't get in depth as much as you would like to. So I'm guilty of it as well. But what I do like is the seasoned research pieces that have the sources, that have the input. And yes, we need more of that. And I think that we will eventually start to get more of it. I think, you know, for example, Tyler uh, Rogoway is a great example of somebody who's done due diligence and has sort of um, pushed that sort of media forward. But are we ever going to get to that point where the subject is taken entirely seriously overall? No, probably never. But we're getting better. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah, a little. <laughs> a little. I think so, Moon. I think um, we're getting better little by little. I agree with you. I mean, you have this off-world vehicle, you know, quotation, spreading like a 
like a parasite and a virus all across the internet now um, with a claim that couldn't be properly documented or sourced by the New York Times. And of course, that's the one line that everyone's running with and then making their own hypotheses out. Well, and citing it incorrectly too, making the making the claim that the Pentagon claimed that or the Pentagon has off-world vehicles mm-hmm. and it was never the Pentagon. No. It was that, a Pentagon right. subcontractor. That's, you know, again, right. And I think we all know who that is at this point. I mean, we can't say for sure, but um, yeah, of course, this off-world vehicle thing was what everyone took and ran with when there was actually some fact-based interesting yes. things in that article so yeah I, I do find it disheartening that of course people always clamor to the most sensational parts of it and uh and it's sad it's sad uh, maybe we'll get more but uh yeah i agree i think um little by little and uh article by article is um how we're gonna reach that goal that goal post well the most visible news in the world of UFOs this week is the UAP task force. And this new UAP task force or this not so new UAP task force, uh, what are we talking about? Well, this is the uh, Department of Defense has revealed multiple times that it has an unidentified aerial phenomenon task force. And it's also issued several public statements about this task force that have indicated it has been running for quite a while, and or it just created it. So a lot of confusion has been going on. But today, on the day that we're recording this, the Department of Defense dropped a new press release to announce that it established an Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, or UAPTF. So according to the DOD, this is something they just established at the beginning of this month. So, so much back and forth, so much, uh, you know, confusion coming out of the Pentagon as usual. What do you guys think about this new UFO task force? You've too. Yeah, that's not a very good acronym. Yeah. You've too. No, no, never is. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I just feel so emotionalist about it because I feel like this is obvious that a that this has been going on behind the scenes and b like of course something like this exists and if they're just starting a new one it's it it feels kind of like it's a PR stunt in order to make the public uh believe that here's I don't know that there's probably shit going on behind the scenes from that from what they're presenting to the public like okay we're finally we get it. You guys are interested in this and there's some weird stuff going on. Uh, let's make this task force that we're going to report to the public about. But really, we're not going to get anything that we can't get already from what's been happening. Um, so for me, it's kind of like lackluster, I guess. And and maybe I'm just pessimistic, but I, I like, mm, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I, um, I feel the same way as Maureen. I'm like, I'm excited and happy in one sense. And of course, like, you know, as UFO researchers, we kind of want to cheerlead any positive press that this topic gets. So, of course, like I'm sharing, um, you know, news about it and posting articles, um, you know, from CNN and all that. But at the end of the day, personally, I, I don't that excitement doesn't sort of translate into um wow we've done it our jobs are done like mm-hmm. it's out there we're getting the government to look at it because like you said mo i think uh i think there is a lot to this 
that we're not aware of. Um, I think that classified portion of this bill that's trying to get passed is where it's truly at and the information that we all really want. So whatever becomes public from this task force, the past tax task force, the next task force, whatever it might be, um, I don't think we're ever going to truly be satisfied because we know the information we want is probably going to be classified. So I don't know. I struggle with it, too. Um, you know, I commend to the stars for all they've done and getting that ball rolling. But I do I do feel hesitant about uh, being all in on this. I think uh, I think we're going to be disappointed in some ways and maybe surprised in others. So uh, who, who knows? Who knows? But uh, bring on all the task forces. So like, you know, Jason always <laughs> says, do all the things all the times. So, yes. And uh, comp- competition is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Rogue Planet Task Force will be starting soon. Yes. I like that. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, I'd say I'm still everyone else. I mean, uh, uh, the way I've been stating it is, is that um, – you know, it's a positive development. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good associated with it. I'm hopeful that it produces something meaningful. However, I, I have reservations in that, you know, we have at least the history since 1952 where Blue Book began, ended in 69, and it was largely, it was not an investigation. It, it, it was a debunkery effort, a way to explain them away. And it's hard not to feel the sting of that because, you know, any of us that have been in ufology for any length of time are well aware of the taboo and the, the ridicule and all of these things. And, you know, we're in that weird position where they have all the power, all the control, all of the information. You know, I, I disagree with some of us giving them that much power, but that's another story. But at any rate, um, I, I feel like what I worry about is that, yeah, we've, we've seen this, this report's going to be made, but just think about this. What if they come out with that report and they say, oh, never mind, there's nothing to UFOs. I mean, seriously, they could do that. They could just come out and completely... It's been done before. Air. Yeah. And how disappointed are people going to be and how... How many people are going to have egg on their face and that kind of thing? And so I I just worry about that because of the past example and the fact that they have covered up the interests that we knew they had all along. And they had investigations and and all this stuff, but they, you know, made us look like a bunch of crazies. Right. But and so that could happen again. I mean, they are they are in complete control of this this issue and we're giving them that power and control by, by hanging on every word and everything that they say. Yep. Now, I mean, that's really pessimistic of me. That, that, but let me just say, I, I mean, on the other side, I'm very hopeful that that's not the case. Yeah. And even what's happened is amazing. I mean, really, it is amazing. We're in an amazing time and more information is being released, meaningful stuff than has happened in a long, long time. And I'm thrilled to be involved with this right now and I encourage people to get involved with it right now. It is like a golden age in a way for us right now. However, I just say the rug can be yanked right out of under our feet too. So we're kind of in a vulnerable position with it. So I just, you know, like I say, be positive and encouraged and hopeful, but don't put all your eggs in that basket because mm-hmm. it's, it's very easily they can break all those eggs. So yeah. that that's kind of how I, My, I know that's how you guys feel. Yeah. My my huge worry right now is obviously we're in like this 
the world's on fire. We're 2020 is a dumpster fire. And we're going through one of the probably biggest periods of political debate uh, and coming up on a major election, which is in a very, very hot time. And I am worried that this is going to become a power play for both angles. You know, it's it's the manipulation that's going to occur to try to get, oh, this person's going to then reveal that UFOs are extraterrestrial in nature and and real and they want to get the UFO vote. I know that sounds crazy, but there's a lot of people who are would literally judge their vote probably on the idea that some disclosure was going to happen. And and that scares me because I I mean, I'm going to openly say it here. We're all pretty vocal about this. Trump needs to go down. Screw him. Uh, whatever, but there goes another negative like, review, Maureen. Thanks a lot. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Our lefty he has liberal been show to like sort of tease Roswell lately. Like, oh, I wonder what that is. And it's like, dude, step away. Like, <laughs> you have no interest in UFOs. You're just literally trying to convince a certain group of people that you were going to do something to reveal this. I'm not saying that the other ticket's going to reveal UFOs either. It, it shouldn't be about a political power grab. Well, when he's made, made clear that Lou Dobbs is going to be his, his UFO person, uh, I've lost all hope right there. Oh, brother. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so, I mean... Anyways, it's scary. It's scary time. It is, Maureen. It is. And, you know, even politics aside, I think you're right. I think um, anyone who latches onto this topic politically has an agenda and so does the department of defense so does the naval intelligence com- yes. community so does uh you know the pentagon in general they all want to be involved with this topic for i think the reason shane said they want to control the narrative and they mm-hmm. they can see this as a way to uh i mean look at the clicks that ufo articles get online or videos or movies or whatever like they know there's something to this and that a lot of people are interested. So how can we use that? And I think that's what we're seeing play out is everyone's in this for their own reasons, their own personal gain, but also their own personal knowledge. And I know the four of us, we got involved in UFOs for all different reasons. And we have our, you know, our own search in all of this. So, uh, yeah, I do think the UFO topic can be taken advantage of more than most because of the belief system behind it and the uh, vulnerability of those who just want to believe or want to be told what to believe. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think in these uncertain times, uh, it's a weird time for this all to be happening, but maybe it's for the best. I mean, get it out there or mm-hmm. will it all get shoved under the rug? Like Shane said, because of everything else that's going on in the world. I don't know. Like, how do you make people feel comfortable? But the fact that all these cases for so long have been UFOs hovering over nuclear missile sites. I mean, I think that's like, is that part of the, the jump that the department of defense is trying to get on to be like, okay, sorry, we're, we're not ignoring it. Like that's a major threat to, to the safety of, all nations, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's could some unidentified craft of unknown origin, whether it be terrestrial or extraterrestrial, be able to set off nuclear weapons that would kill us all in an instant. Um, that's a real threat. And that has been documented and is going on. And um, 
And I think that maybe this is a, you know, UPTF, <laughs> the, <laughs> the new task force. Uh, I'm going to try to get that to catch on. Um, uh, you know, is, is going to try to cover up in terms of trying to make people feel safer, like it's something that they don't need to worry about. Who knows? Here's, uh, you know, Ryan, you, you brought up controlling the narrative, and that's always a possibility. And like Shane mentioned, we can look to history. We've seen that happen before. In fact, we've seen that happen many times before. And we have to remember that we don't have to remember, but you know, you might remember that when Tom DeLong formed To the Stars, as he likes to tell the story, you know, part of his pitch to the government was, hey, I have a young audience that follows me and I can successfully change the narrative here and help the UFO community and young people change how they view the government when it comes to this topic. We can change and make people not view the government as the bad guys with this topic, like they're covering things up, but we can do magic and change that to where people now view the government as the good guys, and, and we'll switch this whole narrative around, and we're seeing that unfold right now. Yeah. The thing with the, the task force here that you know gives me pause, and it, I think it's great, first of all. I think it's great, and, and like you guys have said, I think any effort is a good effort when we try to find answers about the UFO mystery. And certainly when we talk about public education, public uh, you know, appearances, when they see a press release coming from the Department of Defense about UFOs, again, that paints the picture to the general public that UFOs are in fact real. Our government is telling us, you know, as they've done so many times before, that yes, UFOs are real. We're still at that, that initial hurdle with the general public. But people, the more times they see that, the more they'll realize UFOs are a real thing. So we're seeing that. We just got a press release from the Department of Defense saying they've got a UFO task force. That's great. That's great for public appearances. However, you know, back to my earlier point with us, you know, pushing this out to everybody and, you know, avoiding saying this is a good thing, aside from saying it's a good thing for public appearances, we don't know really anything at all about the UAP task force. We know what their objectives are as they've been listed publicly, but we don't know what the motive is behind all of this. We know that they publicly stated that they're concerned about stuff that's been interfering with their training missions and appearing over training sites. And they're concerned about the safety of military personnel. And they're concerned about the safety of their military assets. The military is the focus here. And as anybody who researches UFOs knows, this is not a military issue solely. It is a global issue, and people all over the world from all walks of life have UFO encounters, experience UFOs. We know UFOs uh, you know, have, have near collisions with commercial airliners. This isn't just a military issue. So the fact that the task force and everything that's been surrounding this task force and the Department of Defense coming out, again, they're focused on defense. It makes sense. This is all military. But the focus of all this is on the military. It's not on you. It's not on the general public. It's not really on figuring out the mystery of UFOs or identifying UFOs in general. It's on identifying things that are potentially posing a threat to the military. And 
as we've mentioned, uh, you know, a couple of times about the potential outcomes and, and public release of information with the task force, we don't know that that will even be a part of the task force. We know that was added to the comments of, of the uh, Intelligence Authorization Act that was added as an amendment to another bill, but we don't even know if that's going to pass yet. As of right now, one of the metrics that measures these bills, the current bill that it's attached to as an amendment, has a 2% chance of passing. So we don't even know if that's going to pass, let alone what the wording has been changed to, to include anything about a public release of information um, collected by the UAP task force. Let's hope that happens, but as of right now, we don't have any guarantee that the public is going to receive anything from the UAP, UAP task force. So what we have is this government body that's looking into UFOs from a military standpoint, looking at the risk to military assets. Yeah, that's important, but the narrow scope is very confusing. And I would like to think that, as we've seen some of the confusion, that there are other UFO task forces out there in other branches of the military, in other areas of the government, to not just look at the Department of the Navy, you know, that's very narrow in scope. UFOs, again, worldwide phenomenon. But looking at just here in the U.S. alone, you've got multiple branches of the military. You've got multiple government organizations like the FAA is a big one that should be consulted and should, you know, be looked at when it comes to deciding reports to near misses, things with commercial airliners. And you've got the general public. You've got civilian UFO reporting agencies that get thousands of UFO sighting reports. I mean, there's so much more, and perhaps, well, not perhaps, I think it's safe to say the bulk of UFO activity is not military-related. So it's great that the military's got their little task force here looking at Navy stuff, but what about the rest of UFOs? I think that's a great point, and um, looking at it further, too, you look back when I, I don't know the date off my the top of my head. It was in the 70s when Lee Spiegel and others went to the United Nations yeah. and, uh, you know, pitched the fact that UFOs needed to be studied seriously. And I think that once the, um, you know, sort of the year calms down and hopefully we become more normal in nature in our activities, that that would be a focus again. And I understand the difference where, this may be foreign technology from other countries that we're studying. However, like you said, this is this is not just a military issue. And so having the United Nations take this seriously and perhaps then come together with a global task force, how, how awesome would that be? I That'd mean, be that's something that should move forward and should happen. Like, we know specific countries... Many of them have legitimate UFO um, organizations that are yeah. researching all these sightings and experiences. And if everyone joined their information together, I understand again classified some of it because it might be other countries' technology. However, there's a lot of information out there that we could get a bigger picture of what's going on and uh, you know, where we could move from there and come closer to not solving the mystery. Look, we're, I feel like we're never going to solve. This is an unsolvable mystery. Amen, in my sister. Opinion. Yep. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that 
you know, let's let's make it happen. Like, how can we get that to happen? Right. Yeah, the global communication would be huge. The global task force would be huge. And back to the uh, Intelligence Authorization Act, you know, the the specific, you know, comments about the the task force and uh, aerial threats. One one of my favorite things in there, if that report is, if the bill ever passes, if there's ever ask for that report to be generated, one of the most important things in there, I think, was to come up with a way to have all these different agencies, all these different branches communicate together. And that's something they don't do. And Shane, you know, you work in government, I've worked in government, you know, that's, uh, that's asking a lot, because communication doesn't work very well in government. But that's an issue they have, they don't share information, they don't communicate about much of anything, but specifically on this topic, they, you know, all these different people, these different groups, these different organizations are doing things on their own, they're not sharing information. So it makes it pretty darn hard to study something as enigmatic as UFOs. Um, I mean, it is anyway, but especially when you're not sharing information. So one of the asks was to come up with a way to improve that, to, to, to share that information. And that's just talking about this country. I mean, we can't even figure that shit out, let alone on a global scale. But that's what we need, Maureen. I agree with you. We need a global UFO task force. TTSA and the and unidentified had... Um you see Lou going, reaching out to the Italians and the Bolivians and the Argentinians and, and so forth. And, and they all have these government programs. And, you know, he's asking to liaison with them and that whole thing. And so, yeah. I mean, I think that that um, that logic is out there that, yeah, this needs to be a global effort and there needs to be communication and, and, and a joint task force and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, maybe it is going to head that way, but... You know, I'm sure everybody looks to the U.S. and, and takes the nod from them. Um, we, it's it's the U.S. We need to get get to to buy into that thing. Um, and I, you know, just uh, on a side note, with the DoD, you know, the the mixed messages we've been getting out of them all along. You know, um, I don't want to call out anyone by name, but we'll just say the spokesperson there. You know, they say one thing one time and then another thing the other time. I mean, it's not very encouraging that 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 you know it's in the hands of people who really want to direct this thing the right way but you know that 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 again just goes back to history when you look at like in i think it was like 66 in that hillsborough michigan where they had this big sighting hundreds of people have seen it and heinick was quoted as saying the swamp gassing in that case but what was interesting about that that's when gerald ford was a a, a congressman and right. he got pissed at, at that, you know, that kind of stuff. And people had had it with the Air Force saying, you know, the debunkery they were going through. And, um, and so a congressional committee was formed and, and the likes of Jim McDonald and Stan Friedman and some other scientists and high-level people testified in 1968 in Congress. But you know what happened in 1969? They freaking killed Blue Book. Yeah. You know, so it, it's like, can you imagine everybody at the time was probably excited, ooh, it's in Congress now and we're going to get something done. Just like we're doing right now. That's but right. The they, next friggin' year. Yeah, they they, they went they, they went to Woodstock it. to celebrate. So, They're all fuck this. Woo-hoo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, it's it's just it's so schizophrenic, and yeah. and you know, it's very difficult to have any confidence in the logic behind this thing because I think, like you guys were saying, there there are so many agendas out there and stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about. And, you know, is it intelligence based? Is it military based? Is it political? Is it, I mean, it's too dang bad that all of this stuff is in this nexus and we just can't find the freaking truth, you know? 
that just pisses me off. All we want is the truth. And we're living in this dang world now where nobody will tell the goddamn truth. And so I, it just, that part of it pisses me off. And it's hard to not let that kind of like you're saying earlier, Marine, the emotion get you. You know, because it, it's, it's frustrating. Well, the, it, it, it's, it's also frustrating, yeah. but it's also rewarding and kind of cathartic when you reach the point of understanding that nobody knows shit. Not even the government. They don't know anything. They're making it up as they go. So you realize that nobody knows anything. So you're kind of on your own and you're just doing your own research. And when you reach that point, you also realize you're never going to find the answers, but you keep going anyway. And don't forget the fact yeah. that if somebody tells you they know what's going on, they for yeah. sure do not know what's going on. <laughs> yep. Do Run not away. people Run away. who say they know. <laughs> yes. All right, guys, yeah. we could go on and on, yeah. but let's uh, let's get to questions. We've got uh, a lot of listener questions here that we can jump into. Oh. So this first one Hi. comes from... We'll do some Facebook ones first. This one comes from Taylor Scott, and the question is, I've been wondering this for a while, but is there a way to track the correlation between psychedelic use and UFO encounters? Joe Rogan has said a number of times he believes there's a connection between DMT and what he calls beings. Figured it's a question not many people have asked. This is an interesting topic that's, uh, you know, kind of been buzzing lately. Yeah, yeah. we've, we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, in fact, recently. Um, yeah, that there's there's actually been some articles published on DMT and the effects and how the experiences of people on DMT who alleged to have had experiences with entities, um, their experiences mimic uh, very similar to people's abduction claims and, and sighting claims. So it's a very interesting subject. I've never done DMT, so I can't personally speak to it. Um, but it is interesting and it's involving, you know, obviously certain chemicals in the brain and uh, opening up sort of a consciousness, I, I, I think, that, that allows you to have these experiences more easily is, is what I know of it and what's been published. But uh, what do you guys think on it? Well, I certainly think that, uh, you know, with their with claims of, you know, in, in UFO lore, the talk about the government's involvement with, uh, you know, at least some what people would call alien encounters or abductions, the government being involved in those, we certainly know that it's documented that the government really uh, enjoyed testing hallucinogenics on people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'm sure there's an interesting correlation there. And, uh, you know, a lot of testing was, was done in the 60s and 70s. I'm not sure it was specifically to this question if there's a way to track the correlation between psychedelic use and UFO encounters. But uh, it's definitely something that's been written about a lot. Uh, this is this is not a new thing. Yeah, it's been around forever. And I think uh, uh, the more we look into consciousness, uh, I spoke to Caroline Corey, um, this woman who's her whole life is dedicated to exploring consciousness uh, from a scientific standpoint. And I mean, she she did experiments with Dean Radin and uh, Ben Hansen and a few other people. They weren't dropping DMT. Like, well, I'm not saying know, not ben a good experiment. Got to go all the way. Ben, can you imagine Ben Hansen doing DMT? Marie? That um, would be amazing. They, Let's make that happen. 
<laughs> Let's do it. We'll get in touch with them after this. But yeah, unlocking parts of the brain, like you said, to possibly communicate with whatever UFO phenomenon could be or the others or who these, you know, claimed abductees are seeing or experiencing. Um, I think it's fascinating. And you look at like their early work of valet looking into the, uh, you know, the control system and um, maybe UFOs have a hypnotizing effect on us or can control what we do or don't do. I've talked to so many witnesses who said they felt controlled during an experience. But um, then I've talked to others who said, hell yeah, I dropped LSD, I've done DMT, and that's when the real party starts to happen. So um, look at Heineck. Wasn't it um, Paul Heineck looked into DMT and even did it at you one point? You are right. You are right. I, I mean, remember something insane. about that. Wow. The son of J.L. Allen Heineck dropped some DMT to talk to aliens. I mean, you guys, I, I have a feeling maybe the next time we should all get together, we, we need to just <laughs> do a real good experiment for the listeners here. <laughs> oh, man. That's UFO really happy hour. I don't know. Famous last words <laughs> of four of us, yeah. But Jason made a good point. It's the government's been doing this for years. And if people, I mean, especially people new to this subject, you think Stranger Things is strange? Is is the Montauk Chronicles situation? Is yeah. is doing all the experiences with the Montauk chair and people having experiences with entities? And they were using. And this is not only that. There was what what university was it that that was doing universities across the, the country? Study? Even the major yeah, universities. Yeah, a lot of them. Yep. Yeah. So this is something. Yeah, that's been going on for a long time. Yeah. And who? Yeah. There's also the other element that it could be people just driven balls, and <laughs> that's got to be a percentage. Saying, oh for yeah, sure. I had this crazy experience yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, certainly if that's it's providing a similar experience, that would definitely account for a certain percentage. All right, next question. This comes from Greg Maloney, and it is: If there is a follow-up article in the New York Times citing further evidence of crash retrievals and potentially even bodies. Do you think it will finally be enough to pique the interest of people outside of the community? I just don't understand why everyone isn't talking about this right now. What do you think, guys? Um, yeah, I think I I don't I don't think so. I mean, look, even the 2017 article was a bombshell globally, but still we moved on with our lives, and that's kind of the way these things go. And you know, with the recent articles. Um, they made nowhere near as big a splash as the 2017 one, and they included much more interesting claims of off-world vehicles. And still, page 17, maybe, they buried the lead that far in, 15 paragraphs in, that's where they talked about this. So, no, unfortunately, until uh, until the UFO phenomenon makes itself known to us, um, all of us, on a global scale, um, collectively, I don't think anyone is ever going to even believe that those bodies in the photo on the front of the New York Times are real. Because, look, Shane said it best. We live in an age where we don't we can't tell up from down, left from right anymore when it comes to the media. So um, would we even believe it if it did happen? I don't know. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that, too. I mean, it, it's like we have at best a two week attention span. I mean, on big issues, if you want to talk like school shootings, yep. uh, you know, uh, you, you know, war and starvation and, you know, murder and right, whatever it is. I mean, 
literally we we just have this teeny tiny uh, you know attention span and and you know I, I get some of it that look you know like Maureen was saying you know 2020 is a dumpster fire and I mean what else can happen yeah you know uh, in 2020 however we just take it in stride I mean this is what we do we're human beings that we can adapt to anything I mean I was thinking about like you know the Stockholm yeah is it the Stockholm syndrome you know somebody gets kidnapped mm-hmm. and uh, they end up like falling in love with their kidnapper yeah. or whatever. I mean, it's just the human brain is a strange mofo. And and it, it's really hard to say with the certainty what people will do, especially on a mass scale or, mm-hmm. you know, group think and all those crazy things. So, um, I mean, you'd like to think that we're all logical and that, you know, that would be an important thing to know about and people would be interested. And yeah, you're going to have some people flip out and freak and then you'll have other people who take it in stride. And then after a couple of weeks, the dust settles and then we're all back to, you know, watching the Kardashians or whatever. Right. I mean, j- just sadly, this is the way we work. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I appreciate his question, but I, I really am in agreement with you guys is, is it, it's going to take you know, the quintessential Independence Day, you know, huge craft coming out of the cloud over major cities for people to right. really, you know, take it serious. So, uh, you know, we're kind of a niche. Uh, you know, ufology is a niche. All of this is happening. Yeah, it's important and interesting to some people, but, you know, for the majority, it's not. And even if, oh, we're not alone in the universe is proven, I still think a lot of people go, okay, cool. Or, it oh, It doesn't affect their weird. day-to-day lives, then, right. Oh, you know, yeah. what... Yeah, what what do you guys want for lunch? Yep. I mean, seriously, it's, it's that's what we've become. It's weird, but I mean, that's it. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. We used to, you know, and one of our favorite sayings was, you know, take a, a UFO landing on the White House lawn. But as you pointed out, I don't think that would face people. It it might might face some people for a short period of time, but you know you'd have a certain percentage thinking it was fake news. You'd have others saying, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. It just it wouldn't personally affect them if they weren't here blowing shit up. They'd go, oh, that's cool, and they change the channel. Yeah. I mean, that's just you know the short attention span mindset. People are focused on things that affect them individually on a personal level, and if it doesn't, eh. Raises an eyebrow. It's kind of cool. Push the share or like on on Twitter or Facebook, and then move on. I mean, that's that's just what happens. So, yeah, I I personally don't think you know claims of bodies or or anything like that would really you know get more attention than what the articles the, the existing articles the attention they already get. All right, next question. This comes from Todd from Facebook. How come the Hesdalen lights? get so little attention interesting question i'll hop right on that if you want attention on that uh buy the new version of somewhere in the skies (laughs) oh i do feature um and that's why we asked that question i did cover the um the hestel and lights phenomenon in the book in the updated version uh because they are currently working with a organization here in the united states uh ufo data which christopher mellon was a part of and uh leslie kane was a part of and um, he yeah. still is. I think they both still are. They're yeah. still they're listed still, on the website. They're still connected. And um, what UFO data still on the board. Yeah. Yeah. What UFO data does is they are trying to look at this from the scientific uh, standpoint and methodology, and getting satellites out there to monitor UFO activity. And um, they're now currently working with the Hesterlin project to uh, implement 
the technology that UFO data has acquired and bring it over there and work with them. So right there, you've already got this global sort of task force forming in the scientific community. And there's so many of them that are creeping up. Skyhub, UFO data, UFO gap. Um, There's a ton ton of other ones. So I'm excited. And yeah, yeah, um, be on the lookout because I think we're going to find out some interesting stuff about the Hestel and Lights. Yeah, but I think to to the point we just made about the previous question, it, it applies to this too. I mean, again, you're, as cool as this is, and I love this stuff, it's still just lights in the sky, right? So, I mean, people might hear about it and, and think it's interesting for a little bit, but then they move on to something else. Like, unless like these lights are coming down and landing and you know shooting at people, like nothing's changed. So, you know, it's kind of unsexy in that respect. But also, a lot of this stuff, and, you know, there have been many theories put forward about this and, you know, potential natural explanations. And I think that is true for a lot of things, especially when we get to talking about Skinwalker Ranch. I think there's a lot of natural explanations to explain some of this stuff. I mean, nature is weird. We know so little about the things that happen on this planet, let alone in outer space. But this planet is weird. Existence is weird. And we only understand a tiny, tiny percentage of our reality. So I think a lot of things on this planet, there's lots of weird shit going on that we don't have an answer to. And we see that a lot in in many different places all over the world. And that's just one example. I was just going to say, you know, we have what's happening in Norway. And I think, uh, you know, the first reported recorded sightings of lights there was like in the 1930s or something. I, I believe. Um, but then you also have very similar occurrences happening, obviously over Brown mountain, you have the Marfa lights, you have all these places that are having similar, um, experiences. And obviously in Norway, it was, it was this section in the 1980s where it was at the height of its, its activity. And so it was like a tourist thing. People would come to see it kind of like you'd go to see the Northern lights. Um, and yes, there's a lot of atmospheric and other uh, weather phenomena going on that, that is interesting yeah. that may explain some of it or may explain all of it. We'll find out. Um, but, but it is this new curious age where now we're, we're developing the technology where we might be able to explain some of this extreme weirdness going on with, with these strange lights. Do I think that they're extraterrestrial in nature, like little UFO balls coming down? No, I don't um, particularly, but prove me wrong. But uh, um, let the science show what it shows, and, and this will be interesting yeah. to cover. So I think that's why it hasn't gotten as much attention is, is it's lights in the sky, and it hasn't affected anyone. It's a nat- or like you know a continuously occurring thing, and nobody's died. Yeah. What were we going to say, Shane? I was just going to say, uh, uh, Maureen just nailed it. That is exactly what I was going to say. And so, you know, I, uh, I think they're very interesting. I think they should be studied. Um, but I don't see anything about it that, to me, is connected to UFOs whatsoever. I, I consider it most likely a natural phenomenon that, that, face it, we think we know everything about physics and about our Earth, but we don't. And we're, that's demonstrated every day. So, um, I, you know, I've met Erling Strand and, and 
uh, Klaus Vaughn and those guys, and and you know it's they're they're terrific folks, and they're approaching it you know scientifically in the way it should be done, and and all of that. I just um, and I'm interested in it, but there's nothing about me putting on my investigator hat. If I were to investigate that, there's nothing that suggests you. UFOs at all. I mean, uh, and I hate to do this, but it, it sounds like a cliche or a gimmick, but it's not. But like in my investigations, I've been applying the five observables that the TTSA has been professing from from ATIP, right? And and the reason is is because we get a ton of lights in the sky cases, right? And you get witness testimony, and then sometimes you get a video or a photo, right? But the, the bottom line is. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. It it appears as a light. That's all you can say it is as a light. And what is the cause of light? I don't know. I mean, you. so how do you tell? Well, one of the things I do is I say, look, does this light on this video or through the testimony demonstrate any of those five observables? You know, does it demonstrate, uh, you know, anti-gravity? Does it demonstrate straight, you know, hypersonic speed, does it, you know, all of those things that they list there. And if they don't demonstrate any of that, I'm not calling that a UFO. I mean, I, what else do I have to work with, right? you got to follow the evidence. And so like with, with Heston, you know, follow that evidence. You have lights, curious lights in a location that occur, have occurred for many, many, many years. I mean, what, are little, little aliens flying their little UFOs in this area for 70 years? I don't think so. I mean, you just got, you know, put it in the perspective of, you know, the big picture. And so, like, I'm not criticizing it at all. Love it. Interesting. Being studied and should be. But personally, I just don't see it as anything related to UFOs. But that's just me. Only my opinion. And that's all that matters, Shane. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that and bourbon. All right. <laughs> That and bourbon, yes. All right, our next question comes from Ash Ellis on Facebook, and Ash asks, There has been drips of disclosure on the UFO subject recently. Do you know of anything similar in other paranormal areas, such as cryptozoology, ghosts, etc.? Um, the only thing I could speak to is the work being done, again, by Leslie Kane in the world of uh, you know, near-death experiences. Mm. Um, I sat down with her for almost two hours and talked all about the scientists that are looking into this that have made incredible uh, leaps and discoveries when it comes to consciousness and uh, dealing with these topics of um, the afterlife or where does that energy go once it leaves the body, stuff like that. So I think that's fascinating. And um, I think that is a form of drip, drip disclosure when it comes to these other unknown things and mysteries in our world. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about a Bigfoot task force, but uh, if you guys hear anything, please let me know. Cause I'm all in. I am the Bigfoot task force. I've been uh, hiking, backpacking around all sorts of Washington mountains where uh, Bigfoot's supposed to thrive. Uh, nice. Seen some interesting piles of uh, feces, but uh, pretty sure it's there, not Bigfoot so far. So well, you let us know. Yeah. yeah, I will. I'll keep an eye out. Yeah, so I'm not a. I'm personally not a proponent of of any sort of dripping disclosure. I don't think anybody, uh, certainly not government entities, 
contain enough information for it to be dripping out intentionally or unintentionally. That's just my opinion. But, uh, you know, looking at UFOs specifically, when we have these moments of, of what people like to call drip, drip disclosure, things coming out, it's because we have people actively making things happen. We mentioned Lee Spiegel and the UN. You know, that's because Lee Spiegel is a bad mofo and he actively went out and made that happen. We see things happening right now and we know that to the Stars Academy of Arts and Science behind the scene is actively pushing and working specifically with government, military, uh, working on Capitol Hill to make the things happen that we're seeing happen right now. It's because there's an active momentum behind it, some some sort of you know impetus for these things to happen. Now, I mean, with other other fields of study, they may be happening, but you know there aren't these really these large driving forces to try to get the government to to come out with information about stuff. I mean, we've certainly seen a lot of documented. Uh, you know, proof of of government tests that involve things more on the you know paranormal side. You know, with a lot of a lot of weird mind stuff, mind control, and things like that. Um, but not for a long time. UFOs, you know, is is a hot item. People are really into it. And you know, when you have the government, the military can look at things as a threat, and you look at the type of money that uh, is behind the military, that certainly is a lot more visible. And, you know, it's easier to get get some action going there and, and get, because you have many more moving parts too, to get pieces of information here, pieces of information there, and on a much grander scale. So we see things more visibly than we do with other, other paranormal uh, topics like ghosts and things like that, where, you know, our most visible conversations are happening on ghost hunting shows and things like that. I will just jump in and say, speaking of Ben Hansen, uh, that one program that they did recently, Morgan City, uh, and they caught that apparition mm-hmm. on film. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I have to, I'm not a it big paranormal cool. guy, but I, I, I'm like, dude, that's that's hard to refute. You know, if I, I were investigating that case, I mean, that that was pretty slick. So I mean, there's some, you know neat stuff happening out there and interesting things but as far as like disclosure and drip I, I'm, I'm not attuned enough to that to that um, discipline that, that I would know that or not but I decided to throw that in since we talked about Ben and that was yeah and again as we've thing. as we've commented like we we focus on UFOs because that's our interest that's what we're interested in and we are much more sensitive to news related to this I mean there are plenty of people again it doesn't matter if this stuff is coming out in the New York Times or not there are plenty of people who don't give a shit about UFOs so if they see mm-hmm. a New York Times headline about UFOs it's not gonna even phase them phase they're them. not gonna click mm-hmm. on it they're scrolling past it just like I scroll past the Kardashians that you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. so I mean it depends on people's individual interest you you're much more in tune with that you're you're laser focused on it those things catch your interest because they're personal to you you care about them other people mm-hmm. yeah they're gonna focus on what they what they're interested in so um, our next question comes from our friend Audrey Rowden and she says This is a fun one, guys, so you really need to think about this one. You've been abducted to appear on an alien cooking competition show. What is your winning dish? Maureen? Oh, shit. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> well, because it's extraterrestrial in nature, I'm going to get a little fancy here. I think I would make scratch pasta with butternut squash, a little THC and CBD in it, and brown butter sage <laughs> sauce with capers. Um, because it would give a little extra experience. Uh, and that's because I watched the, the Netflix uh cooking show with marijuana i think that i'm thinking of that now you are totally getting abducted now that that sounds amazing fine dining experience for sure yes i like that one what about you ryan oh man um i'm gonna go with uh oh gosh i should have been thinking about this this whole time um i'm gonna go with poke that seems to be the big craze right now um and you, it's big. It's a mix and match. You can put anything in there you want. And uh, yeah, I think that shows our alien friends that we're willing to uh, mix with anything you want, and um, and uh, still come out with a delicious dish. Uh, you're willing, I don't know. You're willing to eat raw animals. <laughs> you're also willing to eat raw animals. Yes, that too. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with poke. <laughs> what about you, Shane? Oh my gosh, Audrey, Audrey, Audrey. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to say tacos because everybody loves tacos. <laughs> well, that is a winner, my friend, and that's right in line with mine, burritos. I mean, uh, if yeah. you're going to represent represent Earth, I mean, you can't not like a burrito, and it's going to be loaded with guacamole. So, I mean, oh, yeah. that's that's my best offering right there. So, burrito all, all the right. way. I definitely, all right, let's, I definitely uh, won the cooking show. <laughs> You did win. I mean, I'm very interested in that meal. You're way too creative. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, exactly. Bye, Maureen. <laughs> All right. Let's jump to jump to Twitter questions. This one comes from Mike. And Mike asks, just curious to better understand, when we retrieve vehicles or materials from vehicles, is this a result of the military shooting it down, the vehicle crashes due to some reason, or the vehicle has fulfilled its useful life and we managed to recover it? Fun question. Yeah, Fun question, but I don't think it has a real answer. We don't know. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. go with D. Let me, all correct. Yeah. 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 Let me throw this out. And I know because this comes up a lot. People will say it's ridiculous. They would never crash. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. They're superior to us. and would never crash. Well, I, I would just say this. The second law of thermodynamics basically says if you don't take care of something and intercede, it's going to eventually devolve down into its base elements, right? So, in other words, if it's a physical craft, then it is going to be subject to physical laws. And that law, for example, says, hey, you don't maintain it, it's going to break. I mean, that that's really what it's saying. And I don't care if they came a trillion light years or whatever. It's, if it's a machine, and that's a big if, right, it's going to be subject to some kind of, you know, deterioration in some form. If, if it's subject to our laws of physics, right? So there's nothing we, we know of on Earth that is not subject to that deterioration. So to me, to say there's no way they could ever crash is not valid from a scientific standpoint. Agreed 100%. Can, Apply science to, to 
to a to a, a non-proven thing. But I'm just saying, if it's physical, mm-hmm. it's subject to to the physics that we have, and and would deteriorate and fail at some point. Right. Yep. I agree with you completely. And we'll say that you know when we have uh, you know certain crashes to look at uh, Roswell. You know, there are multiple theories there, whether we shot it down or it was struck by lightning in the storm. Um, you know, those are existing theories that are out there. Uh, you've got Kecksburg. We don't know if that was, you know, something that was shot down or it, it had failure or, or whatever, but it was described as, as doing a crash landing, a controlled crash landing. Um, got lots of these stories with downed craft. We don't know. We don't have the definitive answers. What brought these these craft down? Let alone if we actually are legitimately in possession of these craft or or materials from them. And Maureen, I know that uh, didn't you personally? <laughs> weren't you involved in some investigation of of uh, interesting claims uh, of people shooting UFOs yes. and uh, <laughs> retrieving materials because of shooting UFOs? Yes, I was. There's always that. Oh man, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lovely. I'm just Ohio. saying there are all sorts of stories there and all sorts of reasons that, uh, you know, people claim to, to have acquired materials from UFOs. Um, we can't prove any of it, but uh, it's like Ryan said, all of the above. Yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind, too. We're not just talking about retrieval of uh, unknown off-world vehicles. There are crash retrievals in every branch of military uh, for, for that specific purpose. No matter if it's a foreign technology, yeah. if it's a meteor, like whatever crashed or landed, like they have to go out and retrieve it. It just so happens sometimes to be something they can't explain. So I think that's important to keep in mind yeah. too. Like, yeah, it could be all of the above. It could be Russia, China, uh, Zeta Reticuli, who knows? Yeah. Mix of all of them. Yep, I agree. All right, yeah, next yeah. question. Our buddy Eric on Twitter asks, uh, UFO Twitter seems to be nothing more than a fight of who said what first. I presented this idea before anyone, people who just want to get their name known. Who would you say are the most unbiased, genuine researchers to follow? Ooh. Wow. That's, that's a loaded wow. question. That's a loaded <laughs> I agree question. agree on the UFO Twitter. Loaded question. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I guess I'll get it out there. I know I'll get some hate, um, or love for it, but I think some of the people doing the best work out there would be Jason McClellan. Um, look, Tim McMillan is making huge waves out there doing very, um, unbiased fact by fact basis journalism. So that's someone I would reach out to, um, for credible information who doesn't care doesn't have an ego and just wants the truth out there. Uh, same could be said for John Greenwald. I mean, the dude has been hammering the government for decades now to get information on UFOs. So we have so much to be uh, fortunate and thankful for when it comes to him as well. Um, you know, Alejandro's still out there fighting the good fight and doing really good stuff. Um, really, really good journalism. And uh, Bryce Zabel. You know, you can't go wrong with Bryce. Mm-hmm. He's um, he's willing Bryce. to challenge people. Yeah, we do. And he's willing to challenge people. And I think that's what's most important. We're not just taking people's word for things or going with the most sensational claims. So, yeah, those are just a few of the names I would recommend. Yeah. And, and I would go on the side of media where you have the journalism aspect. Um, they're not putting out as much in terms of like public 
information all the time, but definitely um, what James Fox does and and Leslie too um, is information that's that's highly valuable to this arena of study. Um, and yeah. and right now, you know, we're kind of waiting for James is battling a, a very difficult fight in terms of his latest documentary because of COVID and and a bunch of other logistical bullshit. But when he releases that, that is information that I suggest you take a good look at because it is highly researched, highly documented. Um, and Lee Spiegel, our, our buddy and, and journalist, was involved with that as well yes. as Jacques Vallée and and that's like a, a power team. So I don't know. I, I've been staying off UFO Twitter because I feel like it's just so toxic and awful. Like, I think this question is insinuating. <laughs> so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, ch- yeah. Loaded question for sure. What do you think, Shane? Uh, yeah, I, um, you know, in my book, I have a chapter sort of related to that. And, you know, I think, um, Rather than naming names, I would say there's characteristics displayed by legitimate people that you would want to look look to. So when you see organizations, maybe like we've already mentioned, UFO Data or NARCAP with Ted Rowe, you know, um, you know, Kufos and some of these other organizations, and you know where the where the focus is on, you know, factual information and scientific research. Another one I'd have to say is SCU, the, the Scientific Co- Coalition on UFOs, you know, a group of scientists involved. That, 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 that is the kind of thing I would gravitate to because you're not going to get the pop culture side. You're not going to get, you know, uh, agenda-based, you know, like you say, popularity and, and you know, ooh, I'm first to do this or that and, you know, the things that we've seen there of late. This is, this is legitimate stuff and, so I would gravitate towards that. Now I, um, I will, I'll throw a couple names. Certainly, I, you know I really appreciate Richard Dolan for the most part, um, and you know I, I miss Stan Friedman. I thought Stan was you know a pretty stand-up guy, and there there are other UFO researchers that 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 do a good job. I I, I really appreciate like David Marler and, and some others, mm-hmm. and so um, I mean there's folks out there that are, are genuine and doing a good job that are responsible and I think that's really the biggest factor you know are you do you understand what you hold in your hand here and and the responsibility that you have to you know present this information as credibly as possible so um, I I think that's kind of what I would throw out there nice yeah I agree with you and uh, another name I'll throw out there is George Knapp I love George you know we've known him forever Um, yep. still a, a, a sound name in, in journalism. And, you know, one thing that uh, made me fall in love with him long ago was he didn't give a fuck about the UFO community. Yeah. You know, he mm-hmm. had had his fill and, and, uh, you know, moved on from that and, uh, didn't care about pleasing the UFO community. Didn't want anything to do with it. He was just reporting mm-hmm. the news. You know, he had his interests, yep. had his connections, just reported the news. And that's what George does. So I love that about George. Um, I echo Tim McMillan. Tim, Tim is a, has become a good friend, and I think he does a lot of, a lot of deep digging, and uh, you know, he will certainly be on this show again soon. Um, but something that you know, I, I always love to, to caution people on, and that is avoiding 
blindly following anybody mm-hmm. in this field, let alone, you know, anywhere else in life, but, you know, resisting to blindly following anybody. I can't tell you how many people, when I first entered this field, and, you know, at the time, were tremendously fantastic researchers. I valued their opinion, uh, you know, tremendously. Um, they were objective, they were unbiased, and they did fantastic work. And, you know, most of those people, my opinion of them has changed dramatically over the years because they themselves have changed in how they approach this topic and the information they put out. And that is what happens. People change, and we, as people following this weird world of UFOs, need to constantly adjust you know, how we view people, the information we view and, and, you know, what we're going to consider and apply to our own personal beliefs. That's just how life works. Um, so don't lock yourself into, you know, this person or that person just because you like them or think they're, they're trustworthy or whatever. I mean, always keep an open mind and always be willing to adjust your view because people change too. And so does the information they're putting out. So that's important. Number one, important. Number two is, we see a lot of stuff mentioned about UFO Twitter specifically, but the UFO community at large about how it's this negative cesspool and, you know, people hate each other and there's always all this infighting and bickering. And always got to remind people, that's humanity. That's <laughs> life. Humans suck. We focus on this because that's what we like and that's the world we're in. So we pay attention to it. We see it. And, you know, that's, that's our reality that, that we see. But that exists in every other subset of culture, you know, whether it's religion, whether it's politics, whether it's football, whether it's music, all of these different interests, you're going to find this. I mean, we see Maureen and I did a lot of stuff in, in you know, the geek world and pop culture and stuff. And you see that we saw that so much in like the Star Wars world or all these different yeah different groups in pop culture where there was just this toxic environment where people, you know, creators were putting stuff out and there would just be tons of hate thrown at them. You know, there'd be all this infighting. It was really toxic environment. That is humanity. Humans are awful and you will see that anywhere. So you certainly see it in the UFO world, especially where it is a rather small community and certainly the more vocal people you see, in the small world of UFOs, on the small world of social media, you know, it gets amplified. So you see the same, you know, five to ten people always talking, always yelling at each other, you know, being very vocal. That creates the appearance that there's all this hate, all this animosity in the UFO world when, yes, that does exist because this is the real world that is going to exist and you're not going to be, be able to escape that. However... The UFO world is also filled with a lot of fantastic, supportive people. So, you know, it's all optics. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real big change from the way ufology was studied before. You'd have, you know, a handful of books, whether it was John Keel or, or you know, Jacques Vallée or so many others. And now you have yeah. this, like open internet mouthpiece that anyone could get on and say any bullshit they want to. And it is taken, sure, it is benefited in some ways, the study of UFOs, and it has also set it back many, many years in a lot of other ways. And, and you know, for me personally, like, 
people know I've disappeared from studying UFOs a lot because I've just felt the effects of that toxic environment. And I took a step back and said, I'm not going to use Twitter. I'm not going to use Facebook. I'm not going to get involved in this and I'm going to take a step back. And it's unfortunate because I am very passionate about researching this topic, but I just don't like where we are right now with it. And so I think Jason yeah. made a, like, a very, very excellent point there is, is don't hang on to the personalities because I know some of the exact people, I won't name their names, that you were talking about who have changed <laughs> very much in the past 10 years. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it's try to keep your head on you. And unfortunately, it's the UFO topic, too, is something that sucks you in. And the longer you're in it, the easier it is to start having your mind sort of manipulate and start believing things that maybe you shouldn't believe um, and or starting to get more into topics or ideas that are more on the fringe that are, uh, you know, a little bit on the, I, I keep saying woo-woo, but I mean, how else do you explain it? What What is the word yeah. for it? You know, just fringe That's topics good. on top of the ufology. Yeah. So... It's, it's hard to keep your head on you, and, and I think it's very important to take everything with a grain of salt and don't believe everything you hear and do your research. And don't just Google it and don't just read one book and say, well, because this book said it was this way, because then you're blindly yeah. following the researcher and not the, the topic or the idea. So good point, Jason. Uh, yeah, well said. I cheerlead that on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I think we need to keep in mind the conspiracy world, too. That's changed dramatically in the past decade. I mean, I was talking to John Tenney recently, and he made a good point of conspiracy theorists used to be somewhere where you could test your mind and open your mind and um, use common sense and uh, to really unravel some stuff that might not be what we think it is. And now it's just turned into this complete cesspool where – we use conspiracy theory to solve every tiny problem our country is having or um, our healthcare system is having. You know, there's an answer for everything, and it starts with um, an underground, you know, pedophile ring. I hate to go that, there, but oh, let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. That's what's up right now. It's dangerous. Yeah. People are drinking Q&A. bleach. Yeah. People are shooting up pizza joints, and that's all because of no one's willing to think or use their brains anymore and they just accept it because they don't want to make sense of the world around them. So um, I think, yeah, again, don't trust anyone, trust your instinct and uh, think for yourself. Just think for yourself. All right. I love it, Ryan. Thank you so much. Uh, Let's jump to the last question. It comes from our buddy, Andrew Hall on Twitter. And Andrew asks, what are your thoughts on UFO related abductions? Feel free to cite known cases or cases that are not so well known. <laughs> Andrew's doing a little fishing here. I know, I, I like, like that. it. But uh-huh. yep. Ryan, I'm going to throw this to you <laughs> because you've done a, a lot of specific research on abductions. Yeah. Um, for me, I always go back to the one we all fall on, and that's Betty and Barney Hill. I think it's one of the most credible cases ever documented about the abduction phenomenon um, with, you know, legitimate, skeptical exploration of it as well. Um, So I always turn to that one as the first and and foremost because it was 
presumably the first abduction account um, in modern day, you know, ufology. Um, Certainly publicized, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And another one that has come to my attention that I didn't ever really even know about was uh, the Knowles family in Australia. You know, this family was out on a road driving. A UFO landed on the top of their car, lifted the car off the ground, and like, you know, kind of carried them for a while. Now, I know it's not a straight-up abduction, but some of the members of the family um, said they had missing time experience during all this. And uh, it's fascinating. An entire family experienced this. And we know for a fact that other witnesses saw craft in the sky that night as well. So, um, yeah, that's one that I don't think a lot of people know about. I didn't even know about. And I would suggest looking into it. There's a lot of documentation online and um, interviews with the entire family. So, yeah, just Google the Knowles family UFO abduction. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is a difficult subject for me because I spent a lot of time – I kind of got into a point, especially while I was with Open Minds, where I became kind of the abduction writer and uh, covered more of those cases. And, you know, I I wrote on the big Kentucky abduction and also the Allagash abductions. And, you know, when I was doing Uncovering Aliens, that was one of the primary things where we ran around and, and interviewed people who thought they had been abducted by aliens. And I am extremely fascinated by this issue and struggle with it at the same time because I tell people who ask me about it that I have witnessed, researched, and, um, you know, have evidence that I've been able to, to find that I cannot explain that makes it seem like something very strange did happen to these individuals. My... On my own account, you know, I have dreamt of being abducted a million times, like in very, very high detail and had very bad sleep paralysis and have woken up, you know, from falling and uh, have woken up and thought aliens were in the room and all this stuff. So it's hard for me to differentiate those experiences without also having my mind say, well, perhaps it was a bit of sleep paralysis in some cases. So I do think there are cases that don't fit that bill that are extremely rare and and interesting. And there seems to be evidence that something strange happened to those people. And then I have witnessed cases where I'm like, I'm pretty sure that probably they were experiencing sleep paralysis, but who am I to say I was not there. I cannot say that for these people. Um, what I will say is, and I, I probably use this line a million times in all my articles, is what I actually believe is that these people believe that this occurred to them. And they're not lying because in their minds, this 100% was a real experience. So mm-hmm. whether or not it was something other I don't know. It's it's really hard for me, and I cannot wrap my mind around it, and I cannot come up with a logical explanation in most points. So I'm kind of in this no man's land that do I actually believe that aliens are coming here abducting people? I don't know. There's some weird evidence to suggest that might be a possibility. Do I believe it in my heart? Again, 
don't know. It's so like I'm in the snowman's land. I don't know. Uh, Shane, what do you think as a more scientific investigator in those areas? Yeah, that's uh, compelling stuff too, Maureen. That that, that I, there's nothing like an experience to to affect the way you think and and feel about something. Um, yeah, I would say uh, you know I've investigated a few cases, and uh, one of them I, I I think was resolved and and it was mostly a hoax. Um, I had another one that was weird as weird gets, and we could do a whole show on this case and. I, I think it was a, a nexus of, a, of several things. Um, I think for me, I look at like say the Travis Walton case, that's a big one for me that I, I think is, is pretty solid when you have seven witnesses and they all pass multiple lie detector tests and, and everything associated with that case and the pressure brought about by the, by the sheriff's office and by you know, UFO organizations and by the news media. And I mean, that, that to me is just a, an incredible case. Um, and of course, I'm, I, I also appreciate the um, Betty and Barney Hill case. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it either because, um, you know, for example, could this just be visionary? Could this all be in a person's mind? Could a person's, and I don't mean they're crazy, I mean, could there be entities or something causing you to think and feel all of this? I don't know. I think that's equally as possible as there's physically somebody comes in your room and takes you up in a ship. I mean, I think they're equally possible. Um, could it be sleep paralysis? Certainly. There, there's, there could be medical reasons. I mean, again, just like everything with UFOs, it's freaking ambiguous and you have yeah. evidence that leads you down these paths, but you don't have proof. And, and so, you know, I, let me put it this way. Anyone that has had that experience of contacting and abducting everything, I have the greatest respect for you. I, I, I believe much like you're saying, um, Maureen, that, that you've had that experience. I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah, I, I believe that you believe that and whatever the source of that was, that experience was, that's unproven yet. But, you know, again, there's nothing that makes you a believer than like having the experience, right? Believing in UFOs when you see one or believing in inductions if you felt you've had that experience. So who am I to criticize that? But so I think, um, you know, long story short, I think it's possible. I think I think there's probably more than one thing happening here. There's more than one ex explanation, but I'm not going to judge somebody. And like Ryan's book, I mean, really, I, I have to say, Ryan, when I read your book, I, I was not into abductions at all because it kind of scares me, right? It's kind of the woo-woo side or something, you know, it's, you know, I'm a nuts and bolts guy, but when I read that book, it completely changed my mind because, you know, these are real people having you know, at least what they believe to be real experiences. And some of them do contain physical evidence. So I, I'm not yeah. dismissing them at all. Um, it's just really freaky. It's really hard to nail down. Um, and I have the greatest compassion for those people. I cannot imagine having that experience, whether it was regardless of the, the source and trying to live your life after that. I mean, oh my God, that's just, that's an incredible thing. So I, I have great yeah. compassion for people in that situation. Yeah, Shane, you said it really well, you know, applying this or, or looking at this the same way we do anything else in UFOs. And 
there are likely, you know, because it's it, it's logical that there are all sorts of answers. You know, it's not just one thing. There are all sorts of answers. And like we mentioned with UFOs being, you know, 85, 90 percent, whatever, you know, same could be applied to this where, you know, 85 to 90 percent are, you know, things like sleep paralysis or, or something like that. It'd be interesting to look at. But see, this is something that you can't put a percentage on because this is not something that can yeah. be verified. And that is the yeah. frustrating part, certainly for us on the outside. But like you said, Shane, it's got to be just awfully frustrating for the people who are making these claims because you can't prove it. Yes, there in some cases yeah. there are there is evidence, but it's just it's a personal experience. You can tell your story, but that's all you can do and you know, hope people believe you. And Maureen, you said it so well. I mean that's that's really the, the realization that I've come to over the years is that I genuinely believe a lot of people who I've heard, you know, share these stories. I, I believe that they are being truthful, they are sharing what they believe happened to them. There's no deception on their part. They are being genuine. Did it actually happen? Was it actually aliens? We don't know. You know, I certainly don't know. I wasn't there. I can't make that call. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just something that, that always hangs there. Like, I don't know. And I, on one hand, I love being able to say that, but on the other hand, it's incredibly frustrating, like everything else with UFOs. But it's just, you know, mm -hmm. and Maureen, you and I have both been told that we've been seen aboard spaceships. Like, that, <laughs> yes. That's kind of freaky, kind of cool, but kind of freaky. And, you know, it's certainly not a memory that I have. It's not anything that I could substantiate. But it's interesting that other people, you know, say these things and, and you know, are very convinced in, in what they're saying. So it is a fascinating world um you know right. and it's something that that i like looking into but again yeah. it's it's a very personal thing because it's not something that that i experience i can never you know be sure one way or the other i don't remember who told me it but it was my very very first ufo conference or second second ufo conference maybe because i think the the crash retrieval conference uh may no no i no UFO you, congress was the first yeah then. so yeah. Somebody told me afterwards that they knew that I was an abductee, but I was I was not the traditional abductee. They weren't using my eggs. Apparently, those are no good. Um, they were bringing me aboard to hold hybrid babies, like as a nurse mother, like a wet nurse, right. basically, but without the feeding portion, just to hold them to become more normal babies. And as somebody new to the field, having that be your first uh, introduction is somebody saying, I've, I've seen you on this ship. And then Jason and yeah. I being told we were on the ship together, he apparently was in some high commanding position. And I was apparently just running around the ship like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. I, if I've seen wow. you two at conventions, that's usually how it goes. Jason's stoic and Maureen's running around frantic trying to solve every problem. <laughs> yes, that is accurate. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the first conference I went to, I had uh, margaritas with Travis Walton. So that was also a, uh, yeah. an experiencer encounter there. But mine was more enjoyable than yours, Maureen. I wasn't I, – I was at that event, but I had a, a – a beau visit me in Laughlin, so I was yep. not with you during the margaritas. Yep. You didn't get margaritas with Travis, but it happened many other times. So. I know, yes. We know, <laughs> obviously, and again, that's a good story. Is like, we know Travis 
very well, all four of us. And mm. um, when you talk to UFO and especially abductee witnesses, you really get a sense of their personality. And, and uh, when somebody is comes across as credible and is a normal human and they're not like that shit crazy, you can tell um, it makes the case more intriguing for sure. And, it, and it's always that grain of salt thing. Like, did this happen? Did it not? What was, is there another logical cause that nobody's covered yeah. yet? I mean, it's an unending mystery for sure. All right. Well, thanks to everybody for submitting those questions. That was a lot of fun. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find more episodes of Unknown on all the major platforms. And you can always find this show and our other shows at RoguePlanet.tv because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange. Feel free to reach out to us if you've got a story you want to share, if there's a story or topic you'd like us to cover on this show, or anything else. You can find us on social media or simply email us at contact at RoguePlanet.tv. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm Marina Ellsbury. I'm Ryan Sprague. I'm Shane Hurd. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And, of course, stay strange. (laughs) 